Hey, sweet ones, it's Elizabeth. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to make sure that you know about three changes that I have made regarding my two signature courses, Marriage Methods and Heartbreak to Hope. Change number one, they are both pay what you can. That's right. I don't want money to get in the way of you and your healing so you can pay what you're able to pay. Change number two, you now can choose between receiving the content weekly for three months, which that's how it's been up to this point, or the entire content all in one guidebook PDF delivered at the time of purchase. And change number three, if you have someone in your life who's in a hard marriage, you're going through a separation or divorce, you now can gift them one of these courses. So you can check out the links in the show notes for how to register for all the details. And I just want to do what I can to walk beside you or someone you love during these really difficult situations in their lives and bring them to a place of deeper hope and healing in God. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome to the All That to Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I believe both that God is in control and mysteriously, we have free will. So today we're going to talk about if there's such a thing as plan B in our lives. Okay, do me a favor. Even though I cannot see you, raise your hand if your life is perfect or if it's turned out exactly the way you thought it would when you were a little girl. Wait, only me? So weird. Okay, so about 30 years ago, I graduated from college and I moved to a town I had never heard of to start work on my master's of social work degree. I moved there because my then boyfriend had broken our engagement, and since I wasn't getting married right after college graduation, as originally planned, getting my master's and moving to a new town seemed like a good plan B at the time. There was also perhaps a small element of I'll show him thrown in there as well. And recently, I was imagining a conversation between the 51-year-old me, which is the current me, and the super naive 21-year-old me. I pictured us going out for tea and the current me leaning across the table and saying, you'll never believe me, but this is what's going to happen to you over the next 30 years. You will become a mother having a gorgeous little girl, Sarah, and the sweetest boy on earth, Jack. You will remain at the same church for over 18 years. Your dream will come true of writing and publishing books. You, Miss Scaredy Cat, will start a speaking career. After all the years of trouble with friendships, with girls and women, you will meet women who will become your best friends for the rest of your life and who will love you for you. And you will even begin and lead the women's ministry at your church for 10 years. You'll even go on staff at your church as adult ministries director. You'll gain a passion for AIDS and clean water. You, the woman who begged God to do anything with your life except send you to Africa, We'll go to Haiti and then Sierra Leone and then Liberia, and you will begin and lead the AIDS team at your church, and you will join the board of directors at a local AIDS clinic, and you will befriend a woman with HIV, 
and you will be able to financially help several families adopt a total of four children internationally. Your life will be full and beautiful and blessed. And the younger me would smile at the current me with relief or maybe even some smugness and try to go on her way. But the current me would have to catch up to the younger me and gently say, wait, honey, that's not all. There's some more. You will end up marrying that ex-fiance of yours. You will quit the master's program halfway through. You will take a job that you don't like. You will move eight times. You will argue with your husband almost constantly. You will find hidden alcohol. You will suffer under emotional abuse, but not know that's what it actually is for years and years. You will ask for help over and over and feel like you're not getting it for years and years. You will have a problem with anger. You will even pray for your death because divorce seems out of the question for a good Christian girl. You will die a little more inside each day. Under the counsel of your church leadership, you will legally separate from your husband when your kids are in middle school, and your husband will then counterfile for divorce after almost 19 years of hard, hard marriage. And the 21-year-old me would gasp and say, don't be ridiculous. That is not how my life is going to turn out. But the 51-year-old me would say, but you will keep asking for help and you will finally get it. You will become stronger and healthier and more whole and more compassionate. And you will walk with Jesus through the entire thing and love him more in 30 years than you do right now. And he will carry you through every moment. Oh, and you'll end up falling in love and get married to a wonderful man who loves you well and become a stepmom to three more kids. And you'll become a grandma and you will try to help as many women as you can Girls, that's my last 30 years. Both all of the horrible things I just said and all of the utterly amazing things. I have lived heart-wrenching on my bathroom floor, sobbing, daily pain in a broken marriage for almost 19 years, all the while trying to fix it and then heal up from my painful divorce and somehow at the same time live a full, abundant life for Jesus. And I have lived an abundant life thanks to God. Now I had a plan, a life in mind, marriage, home, kids, serve Jesus in some capacity, picket fence, a plus, and maybe you did too. In fact, I want you just to think for a minute, just think back to when you were a little girl, what did you picture for your life? What did you think your life would be like when you grew up? I wonder if your reality and your fantasy matched up or if they look nothing alike. The life that I've been given, the life that has unfolded before me over the past 30 years was not the life that I pictured or the life that I would have asked for or wanted, but it's the life I've received. And looking back now, I can honestly say I'm not sure I would change any of it. I believe in free will And I believe just as fully in the sovereignty of God. And what a mystery that all is, right? There is a part of me that looks at the really messy and broken parts of my life and thinks, 
okay, wow, God, you sure missed out on a great PR opportunity. Everyone knows that quote unquote, healing my first marriage would have been better for your image. Oh, but that's right. I remember I'm not God. He does not need me in charge of his PR. And maybe he knows what he's doing in my life and in yours. Okay. So what does that all very specific litany of a life have to do with you? Well, I believe that nothing comes into any of our lives that can't be used to help someone else, to encourage someone else. So I'm going to share a few things that I've learned along the way because I walked through that very long, very difficult stretch. And I'm hoping and betting that you will be able to relate them to your life in some way. Because I think it's safe to say that every one of you listening has had something happen to you or is going through something right now that you would not have asked for or thought you wanted. Okay, so we're going to touch on four lessons. Lesson number one, there is no such thing as plan B in God's economy. About five years into my first marriage, I was certain that I had married the wrong person. And then I realized that if I had, that meant I was mother to the quote unquote wrong children. And I absolutely refuse to believe that Sarah and Jack are my plan B kids, that the beautiful life I'm now living is my plan B life. Was God's best for me the first man that I chose in my early 20s? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I had serious doubts before I got married the first time, even getting counsel from friends that I was perhaps making a mistake, but I pushed it all aside because I was stubborn and I was insecure and I was just sure that God would leave me single and lonely for the rest of my life if I didn't marry the man in front of me. I'm not sure if the man I married the first time is the man I were quote unquote supposed to marry, but to quote Beth Moore, the moment I married him, it became God's will for me. Now, this reasoning works just as solidly as I look at the failure and ending of my first marriage. A couple months into my separation, I was in a room with my then husband, my pastor, my elder, my mentor, and another couple in church leadership who had all been working with us for over a year. And one of the men said, my prayer is that someday down the road, our prayers will be answered for reconciliation and I will be able to tell other couples who are on the verge of breaking up to go talk to you too, that your marriage and lives will be shining trophies for Jesus. I knew he meant well. Every person that told me they were praying for a miracle meant well. But this is what I said in response. Please take this with all due respect, but whether or not this marriage ends, I fully intend for my children and me to live lives that are shining trophies for Jesus. If this marriage ends, my kids and I will not be straddled with God's plan B for the rest of our lives. Isaiah 55, 9 says that the Lord says to us that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Lesson number two that I learned. There are different kinds of miracles. Now, just like that gentleman, I had so many people tell me they were praying for a miracle. And when they said this, they meant only one thing, that my then husband would come around and that we would have reconciled. 
And I want to be careful not to discount that because yes, if we had reconciled, trust me, that would have been a miracle. But I have learned that there are all different kinds of miracles that can burst forth in any situation. There is not a one size fits all miracle for every problem. I believe in my situation that God was preparing me to accept the miracle he had in store for me and my children was that there is life after a heartbroken marriage. That just because my ex-husband and I are no longer together does not mean I needed to close up shop, shrivel up emotionally and spiritually die, never again to contribute to the kingdom of God. And just because my ex-husband and I are no longer together does not mean that my children were destined to repeat our dysfunctional patterns and choices that they would limp through their lives emotionally deficient, not if I could help it, and not if Jesus could either. I'm choosing to believe that my miracle will be me and my children living amazing, full, healthy, and whole lives and being able to use our current pain to help others. That has been our miracle. In fact, Joel 2.25 promises something simply breathtaking, God says that he will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. There is life after pain. There is life after sin. There is life after failure. And there are thousands of different kinds of miracles that God is willing and able to deliver into your life. Are you hurting today? Are you lonely? Are you unsure of your future? Miracles come out of dire situations, not when everything is perfect. Because think about it, if everything is going great, why would we need a miracle? It's never too late for you to ask for a miracle or to receive one. Lesson number three, God uses everything. I didn't go through a difficult marriage for nothing. I spoke almost 200 times in the past 25 years and more than any other comment, the one that I have heard the most frequently and usually in the form of a whisper, I'm in a hard marriage. I have prayed over countless women in ways that I would never have been able to understand if my marriage had always been blissful and sweet because I get it. It's a very unique pain being a lonely married Christian woman. And God saw to it that I would be able to reach out to other women and encourage them and pray for them. I've shared this passage before. I've always loved 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 because it puts a purpose to our pain. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. According to these words, we're promised comfort straight from our compassionate God when we are hurting with the purpose of comforting others who are hurting using the comfort we've received from God. Maybe you've miscarried. I bet there's a woman in your life who has as well, and you can encourage her in a way that no one else can. Have you struggled with an eating disorder? Is there a teenage girl in your life who might be struggling with this too? Could you find the courage to tell your story and share how God got you through it? Have you lost a husband? Look around your neighborhood, your church home. Is there another woman who is also widowed, divorced, who could use your empathy and comfort? 
do you realize that God wants to use whatever your thing is? He's not looking at you and rolling his eyes and thinking, how in the world can I bring good from that? Oh, no, no, no. He's looking at you and thinking with compassion and gentleness, let it go, sweet girl. Hand it over to me. I not only want to use this, I can't wait to bring good out of this. Whatever has come into your life, no matter how it's come into your life, can and will be used for kingdom purposes if you allow God to use it. God uses everything if you let him. And another lesson, hold on to Jesus. Depend on him no matter what. I tried to never let go, no matter the pain. I tried to never blame him for my messes, my choices. I always tried to cling to him. I always tried to turn to him in prayer. When I couldn't, when I didn't feel I could pray myself, I would ask friends to pray for me. I have journaled through 30 years of pain. I have looked for him in scripture. I have spent time in worship. Sometimes my most precious worship times were with tears running down my cheeks, belting out words of praise in between my sobs. I cannot imagine where I would be in all of this without Jesus. He didn't just walk me through it. He sustained me. He kept me alive through it. This is one of my favorite passages. This is Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Sweet girls, it's when, not if. When you walk through the fire, when you pass through the waters, when. When you do these things, you will be accompanied. You will be taken care of. You will be provided for. You will be loved through it. You will be restored. You will be renewed. God will be on your side because God is for us. Jesus will be holding on to you, so you hold on right back. Is your life nothing like you dreamed or hoped it would be? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you can choose to ask God to fill up those spaces between the life you thought you'd have and the life you really do have. He wants to transform you in those spaces. Let him heal you there. Let him meet you there. If you had an imaginary conversation with your sweet little self 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, what would you tell her? My hope is that you would tell her that life may not turn out the way she thinks it's going to, but it is turning out the way God knew it would, and that's really all that matters. And that's what your 30 years from now self would say to you too. There's no plan B. God's plans are always plan A. And they are always, always driven by the absolutely deep and perfect love he has for you. So sweet ones, all that to say, whether you are standing in the middle of a life you don't even recognize 
or whether things are going pretty okay for you right now, you are the unconditionally beloved and held daughter of the Father God, and he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love.